loving God, modeling Christ, and serving others. This is the Hope for Macomb podcast. It was an amazing uh, weekend. We already had together with our Great Lakes churches. You know, we don't get to see each other often. Uh, in the city of Detroit, we gather with the pastors in the NAB family, the North American Baptist, here in the Great Lakes Association regularly every month for fellowship. We have missions events together in the Detroit area. We've had other events periodically, singing or Thanksgiving services over the years. But to what a joy it is every year when all over Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana, the pastors come and gather. And Hope Church, we headed here four years ago, a few years before that. We've been a frequent stop on the association meeting location. I kidded Nancy. I said, you got to stop cooking Rilladin. They're going to keep coming. Maybe hot dogs and cold beans next time. I don't know, but it is wonderful. I add to Terry and Janie Holly my deep affection, thankfulness to our team of ladies, Al Sonnenberg, the others helping, David Hairline with technology. So many people work together to help those meetings go so well. And we praise the Lord for the faithfulness and the privilege of partnering with sister churches right here in our region. And through NAB, we partner across North America, many of you don't know, all over the world through the global missions we're involved in together. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of a family of churches. And the longer you're here, I hope you get to know some of our sister churches. Great things are happening in our city, our state, the nation, the world through our sisters, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I praise God for them, and what a joy to host them this past weekend. We're jumping into a three-week series, but with Mother's Day a couple weeks out, it'll cover four weeks. We'll take a break on Mother's Day. We'll honor our moms and think what the Bible has to say about the important role of motherhood, how they should be honored according to Proverbs 31. The children will rise up and call them blessed. It's biblical. So we'll cover, it'll be about four weeks to cover these three weeks on giving, looking primarily at Paul's teaching to the Corinthian church. But today, however, I'll also have a few moments of thinking about Jesus. So I think you'd all agree, we want to be biblical in the entire way we live our Christian lives. And we want Jesus, he's our great pattern, amen? So it's also true with giving. And I don't want you to be too nervous today that here we are, uh, three weeks talking about giving. Jesus talked a lot about giving. What our goal is, you'd come to the place of finding joy in giving. That's the big takeaway. It's what the Bible teaches. We're to give with joy, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't feel forced to give. Do it out of joy in your heart. For what purpose? To help further the work of the gospel around the world. And there are a lot of valuable causes. And we have all kinds of compassion ministries we're involved in that are critically important. Didn't Jesus touch, heal, bless? Jesus was involved in so many compassionate things. And yet, fueling the work of the gospel, being a witness for Christ ourselves with our personal life, and giving our resources to help further the work of the gospel, I can't think of a more worthwhile thing to put our energies into. And as we talk about giving, you'll notice one verse we'll focus on today. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. Then, their gifts followed. That's the most important thing, that you give your life to Christ. By faith, you say, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I recognize you're the Savior. I believe in you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. That's the most important first thing you give to God the rest of your life. So you hear me mention three T's a lot. 
time, talent, treasure. When you truly understand that you've been changed by Christ, he's given you a mission in this life. You have purpose here to glorify your God by the way you serve him in the church, in your home, in the community. We serve our God as we serve other people. Amen? It's God we're serving as we serve others. As you do that with your life, uh, you can't help but give your resources to. As he has blessed you, according to the proportion he's blessed you, you give. I'll take you into a scripture reading first. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you want to turn there. 2 Corinthians 8, and I'm going to read the first nine verses. And then we're going to break it apart a little this morning and then look at Jesus. We'll go deeper into the Corinthian letter in the weeks to come as we focus on this blessing of giving our lives to Christ and our resources too to further his work. Here's the teaching Paul gives the church in Corinth, starting right in verse 1 of chapter 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, here's the verse, first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also a completion, this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich." I pray that the Holy Spirit of God touches your heart with the reading of his holy word. The whole Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's his truth for our lives. Even these parts about money, material possessions, and our whole life, some of this makes us uncomfortable. Uh, if you're a note taker, you can fill in a few of the blanks. The first thing right off the bat I'd have you uh, think with me is this. And just so Ingrid knows, we're going to do the Bible memory verse in the middle of the introduction. Hold on to that. It's a little out of the normal order, but it's by design. Jesus says more. He says more about money. You think about material things, all the things he says, than anyone else in the Bible. There's more teaching Jesus gives on money and material things than anyone else. I'll also say this. It might shock you. He says more about money than he does about, imagine this, prayer and faith. I don't know, is it the world we live in that our things can get a hold of us? Have you ever noticed that? 
They can hold you. One of my real heroes in faith, there are many godly people I admire. One is Dr. James Dobson. Say whatever you want about him and focus on the family. A medical doctor, he focused in care of children early on, and then he started a ministry for Christian families. It just took off. He had his ministry in Southern California, and you know, someone who works hard and preaches, he's on the radio every day, and he writes books bought by millions, there's some wealth that comes to you. We understand that. He's a very, very godly man. Well, he got the bigger house and the boat, and then you get the vacation place, and there was a ski place too. He said he just noticed in his own life, you know what I became? You think as a richer man, I'm a master, right? He said, I became a slave to all these things. He started selling them off, and not that he doesn't have a nice condo in Colorado. I'm sure he does, but he got rid of all three properties, and they got one condo in Colorado. He could have properties around the globe still. He said, I just noticed for me, I became a slave to all those things I was accumulating. We think we're the master. We think they bring joy. They really don't. Jesus says a lot about material things. It is not at all wrong to be rich. Abraham, a very wealthy man. Job, the greatest man in the East. Think of Jesus' ministry here on earth. I would submit to you that uh, Peter and uh, Andrew James and John, that's the two pairs of brothers among the 12. Their families were wealthy families. As you read between the lines in the Gospels, Jesus spent more time among Peter's house and his mother's house and his mother-in-law he touched when she was sick. Those families fueled the work of Jesus while he was here with the apostles traveling around preaching two by two. Many, many wealthy people have done great things for the kingdom, godly people. But can I tell you, it's a burden to be rich. There are greater challenges wealthy people have than even the middle class carry, and greater challenges wealthy people have than the poor and the working class carry. There are struggles the poor and the working class have of just surviving and the conveniences of life that a wealthy person has. But when you're thinking about living a spiritual life, I mean, the Bible truly says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, then for a rich man to get to heaven, and everybody stops there, nobody will be rich in heaven. Remember Jesus' conclusion, everybody forgets it. All things are possible with God. Even a wealthy person can be converted, can come to Christ and know him. Speaking about money and material things, another hero in my own faith life is now in heaven, Dr. D. James Kennedy. Some of you know Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. Great preacher. You can Google him, I'm sure, and watch his old sermons. Phenomenal preacher. Great writer. Many of his books I have in my library. They deeply touch my heart. Evangelism Explosion International. That ministry has spread the gospel to the whole world. Christians in every country on the planet have gone through EE, Evangelism Explosion, to try to take lay people, help them share their faith, and teach others to share their faith. It's even in North Korea. Korean Christians on the South have trained their family in the North. Communism, even, can I say this in public, even insane political leaders cannot stop the gospel. It's going all over the world. Through Dr. Kennedy's kind of world fame as he preached so well, Coral Ridge grew to be a world-impacting ministry. He met many wealthy people. And one heiress from New York City, a multimillionaire, she said to him once in a conversation, Dr. Kennedy, I thank the Lord for the letter M in the Bible. Anybody wonder about that? What on earth does she get? I thank the Lord for the letter M. She said, because the Bible says there are not many people of this world's riches who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
She thanks God. The Bible didn't say there are not any people of this world's riches. You're saying I might not be talking to wealthy people. Well, compare yourselves to the people of the world, and we are very wealthy people, every one of us. And we should thank God for the letter M. Even in our wealth, we can, by His grace, not let these things hold us, amen? But we hold them, eventually getting to the place to allow the Lord to hold them. Corrie ten Boom was another very famous person. She was very, very wealthy in Europe where she grew up as a girl. Help me in Holland, is that correct? People that know her story, I believe it's Holland. As the Nazis came in, her family were hiding the Jews in their home, and their family lost everything. They were taken into slave labor. She, as a teenage girl, was in a concentration camp. Why? Their family were harboring Jews. They'd been very, very wealthy. They were a godly family. She went through horrors in prison, as many of you know her story, including being raped and beaten and abused. After the war, she told her story of Christ, that he was present with her in the concentration camps, even through the horrors there. And Billy Graham, his ministries, picked up her story. She published a book. A movie was made. How many have seen the movie? It was Corrie ten Boom. A few of you have, so you remember the story well. She became a bit of a traveling evangelist, a preacher. And she remembers being at the front, leading an altar call as she was leading revival meetings in churches all over Europe, sharing her story, how Christ was enough through the horrors of the prison camp. And a man in the back row got up and came forward for her to pray for, to receive Christ, a guard who had abused her and her sisters during the horrors of the warriors. At the end of her life, Corrie ten Boom, through her books, the movie, her speaking, became a very wealthy woman again. Her life, she was raised in great wealth. Her family loved God. They served God. She knew the horrors of losing it all the horrors of concentration camp life, and God restored her, healed her spiritually, emotionally, and financially too. Corey Ten Boom's advice, if you're wealthy, take her advice. She said, I learned, remember she didn't know it at the beginning, I learned to hold all of my money and all my material things in an open hand. The Lord has placed them in there, and the Lord can take them out any time he chooses. I'm to manage them. I'd be a steward of them. And if you want to hang into our word through these three weeks, think of stewardship. We're stewards. We're actually managing the Lord's resources. It's what he's called us to do. Uh, statistics say, survey says, our number two fill in here, that the average Christian today gives about 1% to 2% of their resources to the Lord's work. You think of the tithe. I'd argue the grace of giving may take some people far past the tithe. If you're living on the edge of just providing for your family, you may not be at a place today where you can tithe. The grace of giving is an amazing thing. You are to give as you are able, and proportionally, according to the text we just read, you're to give it joyfully. So I would challenge you to pray about where you are at spiritually. I want you to first give your life to the Lord today, and then the things he touches your heart to give. Pray as a couple. Be determined in what you're giving, and do it with great joy 
in your heart. It's an amazing thing to think. We'll fill in these three blanks as we go along through the series this morning. Sacrificial is number one. We'll think about that for a few moments. Then we'll get to number two, spontaneousness in our giving. Sometimes we respond to a need as the Lord puts it on our heart. And the third thing is the spiritual motivation of our giving. We'll touch on all three of those briefly in the Bible and then also in the life of Jesus. It's interesting because we've just come out of Easter. You're like, how can we go from talking about the resurrection of Jesus, now the pastor wants our money, especially when the parking lot's being paved and it's about 90% paid for. There you go. It's actually biblical. Can you believe this? This is the way the Holy Spirit worked. It was right after Paul talked about the resurrection. If you want to keep your fingers in 2 Corinthians 8, turn back to his first letter to the Corinthians. I'm going to have Ingrid show us chapter 16, verse 1 on the screen in just a moment. But I'm going to read to you what Paul was preaching and teaching in the power of the Holy Spirit just before he talked about giving. Just before this verse, a lot of you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter. The whole chapter, 58 verses, is so powerful. Verses 1 to 4, the gospel. 5 to 8, the eyewitnesses listed one after the other. Then a great treatise on the resurrection. If Christ has not been raised, we're of all people most to be pitied, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And he goes on to talk in the chapter about the difference between a physical body and a spiritual body. How many knows that the physical body a human person has are different than the bodies, though they're similar, in the animal kingdom? Different than the bodies, the birds of the air. Don't try jumping off the top of the building today. You have a different physical body than a bird does. And your bodies are very different than the bodies that fish have. Don't try swimming underwater for the next 28 hours without a tank. I don't think you can hold your breath that long. We know that these bodies are different, so why don't we understand that a physical body is different than the spiritual body we will receive at the resurrection? It's a great treatise on the resurrection of Jesus. We're partakers in his resurrection. And he goes straight from this amazing crescendo on the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, the chapters, the verses are not inspired. Chapter 16, verse 1 is his continuing thought. New paragraph, but he keeps teaching. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, he just nonchalantly says, Now about the collection. Isn't that amazing? 58 verses on the resurrection of Jesus will be raised too. And he just says now about the collection. So elders, future elders, you're in the room. Deacons, maybe we move the offering to right after the message. Is that what this flow is like? About the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. And he says a little more in verse 2, but it won't show up. On the first day of the week, you wonder if they worshipped on the first day of the week together? It's obvious they did. In honor of the resurrected Christ, they worshipped and they brought their gifts. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. The rich give different than the middle class who give different than the working poor. Everybody gives according to their income. And bring that money, you set it aside, you save it up, and you bring it so that collection can be made to help. This was to help the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, the Christians who were being persecuted. It would be very appropriate for us today to take an offering, a love offering, for the Coptic Christians. 
in their time of stress and distress, our hearts should be moved to help other brothers and sisters around the world who are in places of great need. Well, back in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, or where we'll be for the next several Sundays together, there's a lot of great teaching right here. And to understand this, please again remember, this is the proclamation of the word of the Lord. We're teaching the scriptures, and we're also looking for you to believe and to trust him with your life. There is real responsibility that we have to live as Christ would have us to live. I want to say right before this next verse, we'll read together uh, 2 Corinthians. We're going to jump into the three slots here, 8, 1 to 2, the first evidence they gave sacrificially. I want to say as that verse is coming up, you give very faithfully. I do not know what a single person in this church gives. It's between you and the Lord. Our financial secretary has a part of producing a letter for you for the IRS, but that is confidential information. It's between you and the Lord. Uh, if you feel any guilt during the message, if I feel any guilt during the message, it's the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to your heart. But I want you to be encouraged because you are a giving people. As you saw on the backside of our bulletin today, you can pray about it this week with your family. Our giving has been strong this year. We're still a little behind in general. The missions is a little over, about 10000 ahead of what we need to pay for missions. So allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in the giving toward general to meet those needs. And we're overwhelmed with your giving toward the capital fund. It's been unbelievable how you have given to the Lord this year, though we still have needs. We thank God for the way you give. So many of you give this way. So I'm kind of preaching to the choir because many of you are doing it so well. When we say the first evidence of a biblical giving in your life is that you are a person who gives sacrificially. We see this right here in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 1 and 2. 8, when now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of their very severe trial. Would you underline that if you underline things in the Bible? The Macedonians were not wealthy Christians. They were poor people in the midst of their severe trial. See the overflowing joy in their extreme poverty. It welled up in rich generosity. Aren't these iconoclastic ideas? They were in a time of severe difficulty. They were living extremely poor. And they had rich generosity with which they gave, way above what Paul expected. He couldn't even believe at the level the Macedonian Christians gave. I'm going to tell you, the Macedonian Christians were sacrificing financially when they were giving to their brothers and sisters back in Jerusalem who were suffering under intense persecution. It was a sacrifice. And I have said this to folks and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I think it's biblical. If you're struggling with giving at all, or maybe you're struggling with material things, they've got a hold on your life. Prayerfully give until it hurts. Make a gift that you feel. If you think it's a legitimate need, the work of the Lord, the care for the poor, through many great charities in our community, through the local church, give until you feel it. The Macedonians gave sacrificially. You can't get around that in Scripture. It's one of the evidence that somebody is biblical. They were liberal givers, just like our God. I could tell you a whole lot of stories about the farming people I grew up with. One lady in particular who would give me $100 checks while I was working my way through Liberty University. Cards would come with $100 checks in the mail, and she was not rich. She was not middle class. She was working poor. 
And for me, it kind of broke my heart that this lady who was out there working day after day as a middle-aged woman on a farm would write a check like that to bless my life and to help me in my studies. I've known people, and many of you in this room are those kinds of people too who you've given sacrificially. It's biblical, and there was joy in it for the Macedonian Christians. Have you ever received a gift from somebody and you wanted to stop them from giving? Anybody? They've wanted to give you something and you've wanted to stop them. Like, why are they? I, I'm okay, you know, and they're not as well off as I. They're giving to me. Don't stop the blessing that they can receive. I've had people tell me that point blank. Don't take the blessing away from me. Wealthy people, middle class, working class people too. I've had it in all three categories. Jo Pastor George in this church, they've said it to me. Don't take that blessing away from me. If God touches their heart to give to you, receive it. And here's the, hum the thing with humility. It's actually more blessed to give. It takes humility to receive at times. Be gracious as you receive it. Giving sacrificially so you feel it. It's a biblical principle. Spontaneous is the second thing we see right here in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, verses 3 and 4. Spontaneous giving. It's a biblical concept. Let's listen. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. For they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Just this week, a brother blessed me and blessed the GLA family, and I do not want to embarrass him. It was a secret gift. It was done for the Lord's glory. But someone was just touched in their heart to give a gift to help the pastors have Roladin at less expense. The person told me, I don't know why, I put an extra bill in my wallet that morning when I went out the door and I heard of the need. That's called spontaneous giving. You have the ability, you hear of a need, you give, and can I tell you there was such joy on this man's face and joy on the people who received the gift, their faces too. I say be moved by God. I have a simple question in my own mind. Like if I have an urge inside to give $100, $500, $1,000 toward a need, I just pause and pray about it. I know it's probably not from the devil to give to the church. Amen to that? And I'm kind of selfish just like you. So if I feel an urge or have a need to give a gift, it might be for one of our young people going on a mission trip. It might be a need I'm aware of of a family. I believe that's from the Lord because I'm selfish. I'm pretty sinful in my orientation. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. So a spontaneous gift will come to your mind. I believe it's from the Lord if it's to advance his name. Amen? It's from the Lord if it's to bless somebody who is in need. Be free. This is a great reason to get out of debt. The more we can work, the Bible teaches us to work with our hands. Why? so we can have something to share with others who are in need. Just simple fact, the more we're in debt, the less able we are to be spontaneous in our giving. Let's pray that the Lord would help us to follow his leading, follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, be willing to give sacrificially, be willing to give spontaneously as the Lord shows us needs and we have the ability to respond to them. Let's follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and be spontaneous. The Macedonian Christians were sacrificial in the giving, even beyond their ability they gave. They pleaded with us. They urged us to allow them the privilege of giving. And they also were spontaneous. They saw a need in Jerusalem and they responded to it very simply from their own heart 
prompted by the Holy Spirit as they saw the need. The last little takeaway is that our giving must be spiritual. It must be spiritually motivated. And this is the part that breaks my heart in our character formation too. We can do the right thing with wrong motives. We can say the right thing with wrong motives. The things that will really make an impact for all of eternity is when we do the right things with the right motives to give God all of the glory, amen? One of the things Jesus teaches us is about praying in secret, fasting in secret, giving in secret. There are times we have to give in a way that others may know about it, but we should be very, very careful that we're not trumpeting it. Does that make sense? Trumpeting it. Knowing the brother in Christ in this church, even though I shared the story anonymously, they're probably upset with me already. But it just struck me as an amazing example of spontaneous giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, it's the verse I shared at the beginning, and I share this here at the closing of this first section again. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. The first thing I ask you to prayerfully give to God today is your whole life. Your mind, what you think about him, think his thoughts, read his word. Your heart, what your desires are, give all those desires to God too. Your passion for living and your will, what you determine to do, that's what it means again to give your whole heart to God. What you think, what you feel, what you do. Give it all to him as the Lord of your life. Give yourself totally to him first before you give any gifts. Give totally yourself to the Lord. And then your gifts, your time, your talent, your treasure, it will all follow. Let me just close with a brief observation about Jesus in all three of these things. This is biblical teaching that our, teaching, our giving is to be sacrificial. It is a spontaneous element, and it must be spiritually motivated for the Lord's glory. We do it in secret. If you want a pen and a verse for later this afternoon, besides spiritual giving, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, just write in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Matthew 6, 1 to 4 is where you'll discover in the Sermon on the Mount what I just alluded to. Jesus said our giving must be in secret. You'll be rewarded openly by our Father one day. He teaches about prayer. He teaches about fasting. The most important thing is that God sees. You're doing it for his glory and to lift up his name. Jesus lived this way. Would you not agree that Jesus' giving of his very life was the greatest sacrifice that's ever been given? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 tells us this about Jesus. Our teaching today is biblical, and we're seeking to follow the model and example of Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, theologians who are much greater scholars in the Greek language than me point out that due to the verb tense at this point, they're alluding to the incarnation. A lot of sacrifices we can think about. The sacrifice of the death on the cross for Christ was why he came. But imagine how rich he has been for all eternity past, sharing the glory with the Father and the Spirit in heaven, that he left heaven and became a man. Do you not sense what poverty he took on in that enfleshment of man? The fact is that the act of Jesus becoming man should motivate us to give our whole lives to the God who became man to take away our sins. It's an amazing thing. You see, spontaneity, 
I'll explain, explain it this way in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the same verse, number two, that Jesus is responding to a need he sees. Isn't that what it is all about, him coming from heaven? For your sakes, right in the middle of the verse. It was for your sakes. The reason he left his riches of heaven to the poverty of becoming a man was for you, for me. It's a response to a need. That's what spontaneous giving is. And I think it can be argued very simply, there has never been anyone more spiritual than Jesus. The truest motives all the way through to accomplish the will of the Father. As we wind down our close of the message this morning, I ask you to think about your time, your talent, your treasure. It's not just the amount of money you write on a check or the cash you put in or even the credit card you gift to some charity. It's not about the amount of money. It's first, most importantly, about your whole life. Are you willing to give your whole life to Christ? And your treasures will follow. One of the confusing verses to me in the Bible, I would have reversed the order logically from my thinking. I would think where your heart is, your treasure would follow. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. Husbands, you want to love your wives a little more, lavish them with a lot more gifts. That's, I think, true. You want to love the church more, I think it's just a truth. The more you give here, the more you are very concerned about what happens here. You're engaged. You're, here's the word. You're invested in the work of the Lord here. Uh, one financial planner by the name of Ron Blue, many years ago we went through his money managing teaching here. He said, and this is back in the day when people wrote checks, kids or younger students, I don't want to offend millennials. In the old days, your parents would take out this leather-bound thing. It was a piece of paper. They'd write a name and a date on it. And a, a two, it actually came out of there. They, uh, after the service, I'll explain more what a check is. But Ron Blue said, you want me to see where your priorities are? Let me read your check ledger. It's very simple. I'll see where your priorities are. And, you know, I like tennis a lot. And some of you like to golf. And we love vacationing. I do too. But what's our top priority? It's honoring God. It's providing for our family. That's biblical. We're to provide for our family. And we're to support the work of the church all around the world. It's what we're commanded to do. And we need to just allow the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. If you're not giving at all, I'd ask you to pray about giving a percent or two to the Lord's work. If you're at one or two percent, like most Christians in America today, would you pray, first, have I given my whole life to the Lord? It's the most important question. Could the Lord allow me to grow that giving? And I'll be transparent in my own life with some of the priorities of my life and my decisions. I'm praying right now that some, uh, I don't have to play tennis quite as much. I don't have to do some of the things I do. I'm inventorying my own life. Uh, there's some things I can cut back because the number one priority really needs to be my own family, honoring the Lord as I provide for my family, and fueling the work of the gospel here. So in my own life too, and in your life, can you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart that we first of all give ourselves totally to him, that's the most important thing, and then we look at our lives, we look at our giving, we look at where investing our time, time, talents, and treasures, to prioritize his kingdom work. Amen to that? Top priority. Uh, with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm just going to ask you the question out of our text today. Have you given yourself first to the Lord? While the band is coming up and lead us in a great closing hymn of faith, I just, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not asking at all what you're giving. I, mean, I don't even know what you give here. I'm asking if you've given your life to Christ. It's the most important important first question have you given yourself 
totally to the Lord? Have you been born again? Have you recognized you're a sinner? God has come through Christ to save you, to take away all of your sins. And if you need prayer today, to just first, right now, totally give yourself to the Lord. Slip your hand up. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Just before the Lord, lift your hand up and say, God bless you. I'm giving myself totally to you today. God bless you. Any others? It may not be the first time you've been saved. It might be a total recommitment to Christ right now. I totally give myself to you. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not going to ask you to raise hands about the financial part. Just in your heart, pray to the Lord. You know my resources, Lord. You know my ability to give. You know my time availability to serve. You know the talents you've entrusted with me too. With my time, with my talent, with my treasure, having already given myself totally to you, I want my resources to be used for your glory here at Hope Church and even to touch the whole world to advance the kingdom together. Allow the Holy Spirit to encourage your heart, to challenge your heart with ways you can serve, ways you can give at a greater degree than you ever have before, perhaps sacrificially, perhaps spontaneously as you see a need, and definitely may it be spiritual in its motivation for God's glory alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your holy word. It is truly a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Lord God, you are teaching things to us through the Apostle Paul and the letter to the Corinthian church and through Jesus and his great example to us. You are teaching us things here today that we don't learn in the world. You are teaching us things today that are really counter to our own thinking and the way we are wired because we are sinful, fallen creatures. Take away all of our sin today, Lord, the lust, the pride, the greed, the selfishness, the things that are deeply embedded in our hearts. We confess all of our sin to you today, and we all want to do this together. We want to affirm that we are totally dedicated to you. We are totally committed to living our lives for you now and until you take us home when we die or until you come again to receive us at the second coming. We want our lives to be lived for your glory. And I also commit to you, Lord, the resources of my family, the resources of this local church. May we learn to give, give more. Teach us to give sacrificially. May we even be spontaneous, so in tune with your Holy Spirit that we see a need and we respond and it gives us great joy. And may we seek to be spiritual in how we live and in how we give because we want all the glory to go to God. We want to do these things secretly between you and us and we want to be a blessing, Lord. Teach us to give all of ourselves and all that you've blessed us with. And we thank you for the privilege of being your children and of giving to push your work forward in this world. In your holy name we pray, amen. Hi, this is Pastor George Johnson. Thank you for listening today. The hope for Macomb and the entire world is Jesus. We pray that you commit your life to following Jesus. If we can help you in any way, either in coming to receive Jesus for the first time or in taking those important next steps in your walk with Christ, please do not hesitate to contact us. God bless you and keep you close to himself. The Hope for Macomb podcast is a ministry of Hope Community Baptist Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan. 
visit us online at hope, the number four, macomb.com.